Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Hey everybody, what's going on? Today is Wednesday, it's the 13th of February 2019. As you can tell, I'm once again in the mobile studio. Let's go ahead and get that contact info out of the way and then we'll jump in with the show. I have the voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731. The email address where you can send your own audio or just a regular old email to me. Okay, let's stop this music right now. All right, I am jumping in. It's a couple of days later, and a buddy of mine, Sid, sent me a quick message saying, hey, this music is playing too loud over the first part of the podcast. Well, unfortunately, what had happened is I, when I edit the show, I have several different tracks that are going, and the music that I like to have in between different segments one section did not get sort of moved or deleted out to the right place. So it was an oversight on my part, so I apologize for it. If you're hearing this right now, I have gone ahead and cut that out and replaced it. Normally, when I am done editing the show, I take all the raw files and I just toss them, and all I keep is the finished show. Just It's mainly done just to save space. I don't, I don't really need them, that type of thing. So anyway, the part that the music was playing over so loud that you couldn't hear. I talked a little bit about how I was intrigued about the seismic ammo, and that's the heavier 9mm ammunition. And then I was talking a little bit about how things like YouTube and Patreon, how they're sort of defunding and, and in essence, sort of deplatforming people. Uh, Sort of giving an example of why it doesn't really affect them too much. So I will drop you guys back into the regular show when I was in the mobile studio. Again, apologies for kind of this oddball thing. Hopefully it won't happen again. I try hard to make sure that it it gets out to you guys, at least in a listenable form. So if you had heard that and it was messed up, apologies for that. But enjoy the rest of the show. to sell and be able to still and, and, and um, pay all your and pay all your CEOs and if you're the, the guy that runs the company that million dollars gives you again arbitrary number $250,000 and you can live on that and you're happy with that well let's say now that your company is so you, you only need a million dollars but now your company is bringing in a hundred million dollars and maybe that guy that is super popular but you don't agree with maybe politically maybe he brings in a million so he's only one percent of what you're bringing in overall so you can you can kick that guy off and it doesn't really affect you at all And so, again, that's kind of an oversimplification of everything, but that's basically what we're seeing. Now, there was some blowback on Patreon, and again, it didn't necessarily, I don't think, affect the the company Patreon, 
but I think it affected the people who were the the creators. And and a lot of people said, well, hey, if you're going to be sort of one of these uh, ultra PC, super, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Overly sensitive, social justice warrior type, then we're not going to use your platform at all. Well, unfortunately, very similar to, again, to going back to the YouTube thing, there's really no other platforms that have that reach. There were a couple other things that had have been started up, but they just really haven't gotten out there. They, you know, you don't, you just don't have the reach. And it's almost one of those things to where a thing like YouTube and probably Patreon is so big that they can kind of do what they did to Subscribestar, which was they can get it to shut down. Now, some people will say, oh, well, no, that wasn't just that. It was because they were maybe shady or this, that, and the other thing, or it was, you know, some Russian millionaire guy that was trying to get it started up. Or, you know, and I don't know if that's the case or not, but it's the thing where, you know, it's almost like what we see in government, where if I'm a little company and I'm making uh, shoes or whatever, and there's these other big companies that are making shoes and they see, oh, this guy might be a little bit of competition. His stuff is getting popular. We don't want him getting big. We're going to go to the government and say, you've got to adhere to these new regulations. Or you've got to have this new machine and this new machine costs $5 million. Well, me as a, as a startup guy, and maybe even if I'm popular, there's no way I can afford that $5 million thing. And they say, well, you know, it's got to be in effect by next month. And so uh, they, they basically are using government and government regulation because the big companies can say, well, yeah, we're going to have to go to these new machines, but eh, we can afford it. It's nothing to us. It's, it's 1% for us to redo and revamp everything. It's like 1% of what we would make in a month. So it's nothing to us. But what we can do is we can crush and keep all these other little guys out so you know we can kind of maintain our stranglehold and everything so and again you know that's more of a, a crony capitalism type thing so you know kind of getting back circling back around a little bit to what happened with Subscribestar I think you know maybe Patreon and some of these other places that didn't want to kind of lose some of their their foothold that they have there was pressure put on things like PayPal and some of the other credit card type things where they're not going to they're not going to allow transactions to happen and again it, it it becomes a thing of if you're trying to start something like a Patreon type thing where you say okay I'll be the third party that everybody trusts so if you're a creator, let's say you show how to do, you know, uh, woodworking stuff. I can send my money to this third party instead of directly to you. It protects the person who's their creator. It protects the person who's sending the money. Um, you know, there's it, 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 it sort of puts up a little bit of a barrier, but still allows you as a creator to get support. And as somebody who wants to give support to a creator, it allows you to, to interact with that. 
again, Patreon is so big. I don't know now if there's going to if you're going to be able to sort of jump in the game. It's the same with uh, YouTube. YouTube is so big that to be able to get the reach, even with a play, even with a thing like Full Thirty, Full Thirty did that thing again where they're saying, "Oh, hey, reserve your channel, and we'll get back to you." Not, and then you do that and you don't hear anything. And I don't, you know, again, I don't know how many, you know, how many people are actually trying to get a, a channel reserved over there. I've tried twice now and haven't really seen some stuff. I'm going to do a little bit more of a direct thing, see if I can't contact somebody. Um, I'd like to get some of my stuff over on Full 30 just to be able to do the type of gun type videos that I want to do. I've done some stuff. If you've gone over to my YouTube channel, you've seen, you know, some of the stuff that I put up recently. But I don't, I'm not able to go into really the detail of them because I don't want the videos to get, get kicked off of there. So anyway, let's circle back around now to, kind of before I got distracted there and went off on a little bit of a tangent, to that ammo, that, uh, Seismic ammo, which is you're you're having what is it like 185 grain nine millimeter, uh, so but you're not getting um, supposedly more recoil or anything like that. Like I said, I'd love to be able to get a hold of some of that, or even just see people that I actually would actually trust. So uh, channels like In Range or somebody like Ian. Uh, from Forgotten Weapons, although that's probably, you know, uh, beyond the, the purview of what he would want to do with Forgotten Weapons. But on in-range, they could do that type of stuff if they could get some of that ammo and test it and do some long-term stuff with it. Run it at some of their matches, see what's going on with it. Um, so, uh, again, I'm, I'm intrigued by that. It sounds like it's kind of turning it more into maybe like a like a forty-five. I don't know. It's it's hard to say. I ha again, again, I haven't seen enough information or or to really be able to say oh, okay well you know what's the feet per second going to be you know what's the what's the energy dump going to be what kind of wound channel does it do uh, you know how reliable is it going to be um, can you shoot it real fast or you know you know that type of thing you know i, I don't know um and i guess the the main thing too would be we could talk about sort of reliability in the sense of, well, can, will it feed through your gun? So if you have a Glock, will it feed through the Glock? Will it feed through an HK? Will it feed through a Springfield or a Ruger? I, mean, I don't know. And again, we're not going to see that. Also, can you run that stuff through a uh, pistol caliber carbine? You know, maybe, maybe not. I, you know, I don't know. Uh, how, how is that stuff going to work? Is it designed to work primarily with, you know, the four the four inch barrels or the three inch barrels that are in a lot of the modern uh, handguns that we have today? Is uh, um, is it going to not work as well as you think, or, or you're not going to get the performance that you want if it's going out of a nine or a ten or a twelve inch barrel type thing? You know, so I, I don't know. Anyway. Uh, I was intrigued by that and thought, well, maybe maybe it's got a place. Um, can you reload it? Again, I don't know. There's, they've probably said something in one of those videos about it. I, I don't know. Um, so we'll have to kind of wait and see on that. 
I'd like to get your guys' opinion on it. Um, initially, I was kind of reluctant, I guess you could say. But as time has gone on and I've kind of had some time to think about it a little bit, I thought, well, why not give it a chance? Now, an- another thing, and I think it's called the TAC. It's a Remington. Is it TAC 14? I think that is sort of that semi-automatic 12 gauge, but it is the, it's, it's the, uh, it's what's, oh, geez, what was the Remington thing they called it? And Mossberg had one and I can't think of the name, but it's basically, it's the shotgun. That's not a shotgun. So it meets the overall length, but it, the receiver was never mated to something with a stock. And so it has that little bird's head, uh, handle or grip, you know, for lack of a better term on there. But I think I saw a video with, was it Suarez? I'm pretty sure it was him. And he had put a pistol brace on there. Which, again, I think doesn't, it's not a stock, so you're not, you're not violating the, the rules or the interpretation from the ATF. But it would allow you to, I guess, shoulder fire it. And it, it was it's the uh, I, I, I can't and you have to forgive me if I'm saying it wrong. It's either the the 13 or the 14 is what they call it, I think. And anyway, I think it would hold about maybe five rounds of semi-auto. It uses sort of the Versamax uh, technology where it kind of uses their their type of gas system where the way that the the length of the shell can determine sort of how much gas is going to cycle the action that type of deal so and you know i've got a uh i've got a versamax tactical that i bought a long time ago it, it's uh, pretty much chewed up spit out everything i should do a video on that but uh, part of the problem is a lot of times the places that you want to go or that i would go they don't exist anymore or and by that what i mean is they've shut down shooting on it so you can't go out there to the desert and shoot or if you do it's so crowded that you can't find a spot so you know uh but what i I should still go ahead and uh take a take that thing out and film some videos for you guys of me shooting that thing uh it's a really neat shotgun It, it has a lots of uh Oh, I don't know, maybe pros and cons of it. Um, I have the Versamax Tactical. And it is, eh, it holds a lot of rounds, but it, it was basically made kind of to be a three gun. And they, they, and I bought mine used. I bought mine used off a guy and got it for a cheaper price than you would buy one new. But I think it was they just slapped the tactical stuff on it and put some black furniture on there and things like that to make it appeal as a as like a tactical shotgun. It's really I don't know. I think it's a little it's a little big and it's a little long um you know to to really be running through your house and clearing everything. I mean, you could do it. But, um, you know, the idea, 
you know, and I guess the idea of using it as a home defense gun, especially if you were, if it's just maybe you and your wife or it's just you and you don't have to go to another room to get to your kids or anything like that. If as a barricade gun, meaning you're just, you're going to stay in your room, you're not going to come out. And if they come in, that's the only time you're going to engage. It actually would work pretty good because you're, you've got a lot of rounds in it. You can fire it pretty darn quick. In my experience, it's pretty reliable. I haven't really had any problems with it. Uh, so you could have a lot of rounds in that gun and have a lot of devastating firepower. Uh, in, in the Versamax, you can, and I have, although there wasn't very pleasant to do this, I have shot the three and a half. The chamber on there, they say, is three. Part of that has to do with the, the longer shells sometimes don't cycle as well. Um, you can, you know, again, you can do them. Uh, and like I said, they're kind of unpleasant to shoot. Uh, but shooting the three inch or shooting the, the uh, two and three quarter inch, you can blast those pretty much all day. Um, the two and three quarter inch for me recoiled a lot more like the, um, like a 20 gauge. So it's not to say there's no recoil, but it's this, it wasn't as uh, sharp a recoil or, or a, as big of a pulse type thing, if you know what I mean, as a uh, as a regular 12 gauge, especially if you're shooting buckshot things like that. And on the um, the the two and three quarters are they're they're pleasant to shoot. You can shoot those, and it's not that big a deal at all. So anyway, I I like mine. Um, there are maybe a few things I would would like to change about it, but you know overall, it's a it's a pretty neat gun. It's a pretty cool gun. So, um, if it were though a thing where you were talking about it, maybe as a as a survival gun, it's it's big, it's heavy, but that gun could. You could do a lot of stuff with it because it does, because it is a longer barrel. You can press it into service as a good waterfowl gun, you know, for geese, for duck, for things like that. It'd be fine for um, because you can shoot the game loads in there, you know, for rabbit, for squirrel, for things like that. So, anyway, um, all that to say that I was very intrigued with the idea of that tack. 14 or 13 or whatever they're calling it which is the semi-auto and especially once you put that pistol brace on there I would think that you would have a fantastic little truck gun or if you if you traveled a lot well with an RV that type of thing it would be uh, a pretty handy little thing to have now I'm saying that not having shot it. So, again, I don't know. I don't know the handling of it or anything like that. But uh, if any of you guys have one or have had experience with one, um, call in or, or uh, do some audio. Go ahead and send that in for the show and kind of let us know what you think of it. You know, I don't know if I'd ever, I don't know if I'd ever buy one. I think it's one of those deals where it's kind of like, oh, that's kind of a cool thing. And then if you if you talk about, oh, with my uh, with my Versamax, if you talk about, well, 
would I ever take it into a gunsmith and maybe have it cut down? And and I don't think I would because one of the reasons that I liked it was because you have sort of the larger capacity with it. Um, some of the things that, you know, that I might want to get changed is sort of the sort of the geometry on the receiver as far as how there's that you can have it opened up a little bit and then you can have it to where the loading gate uh, you can make it solid instead of the way that they've got their the lifter on there but you know that would be maybe one of those things where oh if i've just got extra couple hundred dollars or three hundred dollars to send to somebody to to take care of that for me for my use of it and for what i would be doing with it and for what i've done with it that it's really not that big a deal because i'm not using it in any type of competition or anything so uh anyway what's some other stuff as far as uh things that kind of intrigued me All right, amigos, it's actually the next day. And I left off talking about some of the stuff that kind of intrigued me from SHOT Show. And there is a thing that kind of, while it doesn't necessarily maybe intrigue me on a good way, I'm kind of curious about it. And and uh, I don't really, I don't know that I see the need for it. And there have been some people that have... Oh, I've been sort of testing it and things like that that I've seen on the internet. Anyway, what that is, is it's the Glock where they've, it folds up on itself. So they've taken the trigger guard off. They've uh, redone a bunch of stuff so that the grip actually folds up against the slide. So, you know, almost like if you were cracking it in half, if your guys aren't familiar, if there's somebody out there who's not really familiar with it. And it has a thing where, I guess you could carry with one in the chamber that way. Um, and then it, you, it seems like what they say is for, oh, this would be great for concealed carry because it doesn't necessarily print as a gun or you, could, you would be able to put it more easily in a, a smaller case because it becomes more of a rectangular thing as opposed to, you know, an actual gun shape. And I guess, I don't know, I don't, I guess I don't really see sort of the practicality of it, especially if you were going to use it for any type of a self-defense situation. So I don't, because when you draw the gun, you're going to have to draw it and maybe... I suppose you could use one hand to manipulate it. I've seen some guys doing it, but it, it kind of seems like you're just sort of flipping stuff around. And, and uh, again, if it's a thing where you're going to sort of walk around and carry it, I don't know why you would go that route as opposed to carrying, you know, a regular Glock 19. And I guess, you know, maybe the the rationale I've heard from it is, oh, you know, you can get this and you can then carry a, like a 33-round magazine or, you know, or one of these other um, 
high round count mags or something with it. But I mean, I look. I for years and years and years, I conceal carried a Glock 17 and did it with pretty much no problem. Now, granted, I wasn't wearing a suit and tie every day and all this other type of stuff, but I found it relatively easy to conceal. You, you had to wear certain maybe certain type of shirts or, or things like that but being able to say well you know I've got a um, a 30 round uh, you know maybe a 33 round mag as opposed to a 17 round mag you know I don't really see from a concealed carry standpoint that that is really giving you a whole lot extra so again is anybody out there have one of them I'm not trying to you know, bust anybody's chops if they've got one or if they think it's a good idea. If you actually think it's a good idea, what are some of the pros of it? And then if, if you were going to do a, a, maybe like a mini review of it, be honest and say, well, what are some of the cons of it as well? Uh, but again, for me, I don't really see that it it does a whole lot for you that maybe something even like a Glock 26 or, or even with, you know, I mean, other than magazine capacity. And, and again, if you went with a Glock 26 and then you carried a 17 as a, a 17, uh, a Glock 17 mag as a backup, well, you know, I don't know. Or if you're going with a, you know, a 17 or even just a 19, I don't think you're going to be expending that many rounds. Most of us will never be in a situation where we're going to have to, unfortunately, go to the gun. And then if you do, you're probably not going to be just dropping mag after mag after mag. Probably what would be more likely is that you would have maybe some type of a malfunction. So it's not necessarily going to be a round count type thing. And I know, you know, you can say, well, what about this situation? What about that situation? And there's stuff out there, but, uh, you know, especially if you're carrying something like a, a 17, you know, you're, you've got uh, 18 rounds on you. And, and even if you wanted to, you could even do a little bit of an extension a two round extension on there to where now you've got basically uh, 19 rounds in the magazine and one in the chamber so now you've got 20 rounds so are you that much better off you know what I mean does that make sense to you guys well anyway uh, I saw another thing that was on uh, and I think it was I think it was uh, the in range guys and they had talked to a guy, and they basically had a, a, a thing that looked kind of like a big iPhone or a big Samsung type thing. And I can't remember what caliber it was. And again, for me, I thought, well, that's kind of a little bit of a novelty, or uh, you know, I don't know how many I, I don't know how many rounds you would get. I was it maybe one or two, you know, I don't. I don't know if it, if it was more than that. I think it was, and the more I'm kind of talking about it and kind of trying to remember, I think it was more like a Derringer type thing. So, you know, I guess if you needed to have deep concealment, maybe because of, of uh, work or something like that, um, 
And I don't know that, you know, maybe you could have it in the pocket and people would think it was, a, you know, again, a cell phone. But if you have another cell phone on you, uh, you know, maybe people think it's a wallet, you know, that type of thing. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know how quick it would be to deploy. Obviously, I think it would be probably just the last, last ditch, ditch effort. And I'm sure you'd have to train with it quite a bit to be able to bring it to bear. But, of course, you only have two shots. But if you're saying, well, there's no other way I can, I can get a firearm in here and I can carry this around and it looks like a cell phone. And, um, and if somebody asked me about it, I could say, oh, this, you know, I've got one's a work phone and one's my personal phone. You know, you could, you could make up some stuff to kind of cover for it. But even with that, there are probably other things that are out there and, and maybe you're trading round count for convenience of having something. But I would think though that you could, even with something like that, I would think that you could probably rig something up with like a, um, a Ruger LCP2 and then you've got six rounds of 380. I don't know if that little cell phone Derringer thing was nine millimeter or or if it was just 380 or what it was. But uh, you know, with with something like that Ruger LCP2, which by the way I'm still in the market for. I've been looking and looking. I just can't find one. Well, let me take that back. I find tons of them, but I don't. I can't find them at the price that I want to pay. So I'll keep you know, looking at different things and, and, uh, and, uh, looking, using things like arms core and stuff like that, but, uh, or arms list, not arms core. But anyway, you know, I talked about on previous shows that Backpage had, had gotten shut down and nothing has really risen up to take its place. Of course, Craigslist doesn't do any gun type stuff and, uh, Backpage did, and, uh, man, it was, those were the, those were the golden days if you wanted to buy and sell, especially, you know, out here in Arizona where you have private sales um, and arms, arms, uh, arms list, you can still kind of do that. Uh, but you have to kind of hunt and peck a little bit more. And it's, uh, it, the, Oh, I guess sheer, maybe number of, of, uh, certain things that you would want to look for. They're just not there on arms list. So anyway, uh, what was I talking about? Oh, so anyway, you know, I, I still would love to get one of those little Ruger LCP2s. I like some of the features on the two a little bit better than the old ones. Uh, and I, but uh, kind of getting back to that like little cell phone thing or something you could drop in your pocket, I would imagine that you could probably quite easily um, rig up a little kind of holster or it, like even something maybe out of Kydex that made it look that way or or uh, something that you know even with using like one of the DeSantis things sometimes even with those DeSantis pist- uh, holsters you know the little soft holsters that's kind of like a pocket holster when uh, on that car P380 that was a very tiny small little gun you could slip it in there but it was all all, all metal I, I was going to say all steel I don't know if it's all steel or not so I don't want to say that because there could be aluminum parts to it but anyway um, the slide is, and stuff was all uh, all metal, and I, I think it's heavier than a, uh, a, a Ruger LCP2. And again, I probably shouldn't say that because I don't have the um, 
I don't have the uh, the specs in front of me. So, but I do think, like I said, I from memory, uh, I think that the little Ruger LCP2 was quite a bit lighter. But uh, you know, the the when I've held those and, and at uh, gun stores and gun shows and things like that, that that is a handy little a handy little pistol. Um, so again, with some of this stuff that you see at SHOT Show, again, it's kind of intriguing, but it's one of those things where I'm like, well, I kind of think there's other stuff out there that maybe does it better. And look, I, I can see even from maybe almost like a, I guess maybe like a, from a collector's standpoint. So let's say that if you... Uh, I talked about that, uh, I think, was it yesterday that I talked about the um, SSS3 or whatever, it's that thing from Standard Manufacturing, that little 22 Magnum thing that every every pull of the trigger gives you two shots. Would something like that kind of be a, a cool little thing to have? You know, it's not going to break the bank, and it could be something that, uh, you know, if you got that, and let's say five or six years from now, they just don't make that. And so you've got like, oh, this is this quirky little pistol that they made, and, you know, so I've got it. And the same thing maybe with that little cell phone phone. Oh, this is a, or a cell phone, that cell phone phone, cell phone Derringer, cell phone pistol. You can say, oh, this is something I thought was cool, and uh, I, I, I like the idea of it, and I'm, you know, I'm not ever going to carry it, but it can be fun as a range toy, or it can be fun as a, um, maybe as a, uh, just a, a kind of an oddity or or a sort of a I guess well I guess you could say like a snapshot in time of oh you know at one point this is kind of what the direction some people were going and this is what they were trying to do to sort of set themselves apart uh, but again going with that kind of that derringer I know that there's those bond on the excuse me bond arms derringers that I had looked at you know a few years ago and thought well hey you could have one of these and I think you can you, know, you can get them in 9mm and all this other stuff. And they're a two-shot little Derringer. And I thought, well, you know, again with those, that's something that you could easily sort of slip into a pocket. Uh, again, all this stuff, would I wouldn't have it as a primary carrier or anything like that, but it was something that maybe you could, you know, you're, uh, again, maybe you need super deep concealment and you want to have something. And it's something that you could put in a pocket and nobody's even going to think twice about something like that. Uh, and, and again, but but you're at two shots. The only advantage you might have to that would be the manipulation of it. It's more, you know, once you pull it out, you're ready to fire as opposed to something like that cell phone thing. You may have some extra manipulation. Again, the same type of deal with that folding Glock. If it wasn't too much money, I probably wouldn't mind buying one again as a thing to say, oh, this is part of a collection. This is kind of an oddball thing that was around, you know, uh, you know, speaking from 20 years in the future. They, oh, they didn't really make the, you know, they, they made this for a few years and then it kind of went out, uh, went out of style, that type of thing. So anyway, let's kind of switch over a little bit and let's talk a little bit more about some oh some politics that's going on uh, I know some of you guys kind of like it some of you guys 
don't too much, but we are seeing the on the on the Democrat side when we're looking at 2020, especially in the presidential race. It seems like everybody is saying that they're going to be that they're going to run. You know, Cory Booker is going to run. Kamala Harris is going to run. Elizabeth Warren is going to run. You got that dude, the Starbucks dude, um, and I can't remember his name, but Starbucks is going to run, or he's thinking about running. Um, and of course, it, what was funny, it seemed like that the Democratic Party didn't want him to sort of run as an independent. Um, you know, he was saying, well, I'm kind of, you know, I have a lot of these Democratic, uh, what you would call party platforms or things that I sort of agree with. But I'm not going to be beholden to the party. I want to come in as an independent and, you know, be able to do sort of A, B, and C. Um, you know, who knows? Who knows what's, you know, that guy has, again, so much money that um, he can pretty much do what he wants. He doesn't have to listen to anybody. And so I think that when they look at a person who's like that, so if, even if we go back in time and we look at somebody like a Ross Perot, we look at somebody like Trump, we look at somebody like, uh, was his last name Schultz, the Starbucks? When we look at uh, Starbucks Schultz or whatever his name is, again, he's got so much money that he's he's not going to have to really be beholden to anybody um, to sort of get support and all that type of stuff. So, uh, or, or to be able to fundraise or anything like that. Um, but it is interesting to see sort of kind of the fray that's already starting. I mean, it's just now 2019 and they are sort of laying the groundwork for I'm going to run. I'm doing these exploratory committees. And again, we talked about, I think it was maybe on the last episode, if I recall right. My brain's a little muddled, so you have to forgive me. We talked about, well, why are all these people going to run when obviously a lot of them aren't going to they're not going to make it and they sort of know that they're not going to make it. But I think a lot of it goes towards money and it, it goes towards sort of the idea of not only personal enrichment, but what they're also doing is it's, it's sort of keeping their brand alive and which, All right, I had a phone call there that kind of interrupted my train of thought, but um, I think we were talking a little bit about why are certain people running that type of thing. And another quick point I wanted to make about that stuff is when we talk about, oh, they're going to make money, and, and they are, but it may not necessarily be a thing of where they're lining their pockets, but sometimes what they may be doing even though they're going for the election in 2020, it's almost like they're doing sort of a like a campaign and and getting their they're getting their name out whether they do it or not because these people they're not going to give up power. They're not going to step down from their Senate seats or if they've got a seat in the house or something like that. They're not going to do that. So again, that's you know that's what we see. Now kind of going back and, and or maybe kind of uh, taking a little bit of a different heading, not much. We'll still stay in the politics thing and then we'll probably go ahead and wrap it up. 
out here in Arizona, we had talked about, well, what does it mean having somebody like uh, Kristen Sinema in the, in, the, uh, in the Senate? What is that going to mean, number one, for us as in Arizona? But what does it mean for the people uh, of the nation as far as, and again, we're doing our discussions primarily on Second Amendment issues, so gun issues. And if we look at having somebody like her, she is never going to vote pro-gun. Even though she said she ran as a moderate, even though she says she ran, you know, on a Arizona first type thing and party second uh, campaign, I, I just, I don't ever see her really voting pro-gun on anything. So, w- one of the things that her... Her victory over McSally has kind of done is it sort of emboldened, emboldened, there we go, other Democrats. And you have people that are, and look, there's always been people that have, uh, that run for them, but uh, for the senatorial seats and everything. But generally, Arizona was more of a conservative kind of red type state. And uh, like I said, I do think maybe it's starting to go a little bit more purple we have had, having said that, we have had a Democratic governor in the past. We, you know, so I think, I don't know. I was thinking about this the other day, and there has been an influx of a lot of people from California that are coming here who are generally not all, but generally they're more sort of um, to the left as far as their political thinking goes. It's unfortunate that that we're not getting a ton of libertarians that are shooting over here. Uh, But anyway, so I think the face of, of the, uh, the face of politics out here is going to start to change and maybe not for another five to 15 years. uh, But I think eventually Arizona will probably become a, more of sort of a divided state to where it won't be so solidly in the red, but will be more, uh, again, kind of like a, a purple, or maybe even, if it's not necessarily purple, maybe it goes from being a solid red to more of a pink state, meaning that you're you're getting more of, uh, instead of stuff on the right, you're getting more stuff on the left. I'd like, like I said, I'd like to see it go more libertarian, but I don't know if that uh, how that's going to play out. So anyway, all that talk was to sort of set up the thing of out here in, uh, in uh, again, in Arizona, in Tucson, a few years ago, Gabby Giffords was uh, at a, an event and then a guy, and I can't remember the guy's name, I don't want to say it anyway if I remembered it, but uh, he shot a bunch of people there and she uh, got shot in the head and survived and has become pretty vehemently anti-gun. Prior to that, she was probably, you know, if you were going to give her a grade, you'd probably give her like a C or a C- minus on guns. Uh, She kind of knew that even coming from her district down in in, uh, in in, in, in Tucson, even then she sort of had to give lip service to guns. Of course, now uh, she doesn't. Her husband, Mark, and I can't remember the guy's last name, uh, 
but anyway, he was the astronaut guy. Again, he's super anti-gun. He is um, going to be running in 2020 for McCain's seat that currently McSally is is filling. And again, the point that I was saying about that is, I think he sort of learned the lesson. If and I've, so I was listening to his rhetoric, he sort of learned the lesson from cinema in that. What he is doing is he is really trying to come across as a Democrat, make no mistake about that, but as a very moderate, centrist Democrat, when I don't think that's what he is. He may, maybe he is on some issues, I don't know. When it comes to gun issues, he's not going to be that. He is going to be anti-gun. He, it'll be interesting to see how he runs his campaign. A lot of the Democrats now... And to be fair, probably not all of them, but a lot of them are really out in the open about being anti-gun. And where before they kind of had to skirt the issue or didn't want to talk about it because they sort of knew eh, it was a, it was an issue that really probably wasn't going to gain them anything. But now they again they can sort of there there seem to be really kind of coming out of the. Uh, out of the gun closet there and, and, and really pushing for a lot more strict gun control. Uh, things like registrations, things like confiscation and banning where you got to turn stuff in. Uh, so, but anyway, getting back to Mark, uh, what's his name? Like I said, I don't, I can't remember his name. Uh, and I'm, since I'm driving in the truck here, I don't have any, uh, I don't have a way to sort of stop, but and look it up. But anyway, like I said, I think he is going to come across as kind of a moderate guy and of course he's going to play the he's going to play oh I was an astronaut, I was a veteran, I was this, I was that, blah blah blah. You know, all the kind of the prerequisites and stuff, all the cards that you can play. He's going to go ahead and do that. So it will be very interesting to see what happens in the Senate race here in Arizona. One of the reasons why that will be important as far as national politics is that if we lose, if McSally loses her seat, and again, I don't know if other other Republican people will run against her or not, um, she... the the race was relatively close and then all of a sudden it was like she kind of got blown out of the water type stuff. But... I think she ran her campaign more tied to Trump and we're going to build this wall, we're going to do this, I'm this ultra-conservative person, where I think what she would have been better off doing was coming across more as a moderate Republican. Um, in a lot of ways, people are are tired of all the rhetoric and the... And the uh, divisiveness um, and, and if when you look at okay if you say okay well here's look at the Democrat base and look at the Republican base those hardcore people they're just gonna pull the lever for whoever has that R behind their name or the D and, and that's it so that but and that smaller percentage of people that may be able to sway the vote um, you know that's who they need to go after and it used to be, you could say, well, 
out here, kind of the the gun vote mattered. But I don't know that it matters to sort of those Republican politicians anymore. And especially when you when you're looking at how vehemently the Democratic platform is going after guns. So they're as far as a Republican candidate, it is like they have as long as they're saying, well, I'm not going to confiscate anything or I think you should, you know, the Second Amendment should you know, stand strong or blah, 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 you know, whatever they're going to say. They don't really have to court the gun community anymore. Because they're going to say, well, what are you going to do? You're going to vote for the other side? Because if you do that, you're basically you're voting for more gun control. So it will be very, very interesting come 2020. It'll be very interesting to see what McSally does. Uh, right now, I don't expect anything as far uh, to come from the maybe the federal level, I should say that. I don't expect anything to get done. Everybody is so focused on the wall and you know build the wall and they're not going to do this, not going to do that, which in in one way realistically is probably good for us because that means that any of the anti-gun stuff that comes through there's not going to be a lot of thought behind it or it's going to be so off the wall crazy and so uh, so heavily weighted towards registration, towards confiscation, towards bans that it's just not going to make it through. Uh, you know, we saw we're seeing a lot of stuff with uh, like that new green deal, and you know, which was basically just nonsense. It was poorly thought out, and uh, it was more of almost like a a statement of purpose, or this is what we'd like to have happen. And again, it's just. There's no thought, well, how does this get paid for? How would this be implemented? How, you know, on the timeline that you want to do all this nonsense, how does this work? You know, you, you, you want to retrofit all these buildings in 10 years. You want to get rid of uh, fossil fuels in, you know, again, in 10 years or so. It, it, it does sort of boggle the mind. Um, I don't know how much the sort of the old guard on the Democrat side is going to let sort of the uh, the new super liberal going into crossing over into uh, socialism and communism. I don't know how long they're going to let them kind of ride hard over 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 them. Uh, again, the the uh, the super vitriolic and the hyperbolic stuff does get some attention but I don't know overall long term how that is going to work out I was listening to I can't remember what show it was but I was listening to the show and they went out and they were interviewing people on college campus and they were talking about well hey this green new deal and they didn't really tell them what it was about they were just kind of like are you in favor of it and of course, all they they heard at first was Green New Deal, and they were just like, "Yeah, sure, that's great. You know, we should be able to do this. We should be able to do that." But then they would say, "Well, okay, here's what they want to do. They want to get rid of fossil fuels and and cars in ten years." And people would be like, "Well, I don't really see how you're gonna do that." And you know, to a person, most of them were like, "Well, those may be kind of lofty ideals." But you can't implement them that fast because it'll destroy the country. So 
a lot of times, you know, when we talk about, oh, the, you know, the kids today are all snowflakes. They don't know anything. They don't understand this. They don't understand that. I don't know that it's really that bad. Um, sometimes it's kind of like, you know, old grandpas and guys like, you know, me who are like, well, in my day, you know, this didn't happen or blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I don't know. Um, most people can kind of detect BS when it's, you know, put on a stick and shoved right under their nose. They can kind of say, well, you know, that's really not going to, that's really not going to fly or that's a, that's a very poor plan at best. Uh, and again, with the, the Green New Deal, it, it was, you know, when you talk about if you, if you, uh, if you have a goal, you have to have a plan to, to reach that goal. And if you don't have a plan, but you say, I have this goal, but you have no plan or no thought put into how you're going to reach that goal, you don't have a goal at all. All you have is just a wish. So you might as well be saying, well, I, you know, I wish I was three feet taller than I am, or I wish I was a, you know, uh, a professional NBA player, or, you know, whatever you're going to say. So anyway, uh, let me think. I can kind of wrap up my um, rambling, scatterbrained stuff on politics. I would be interested to hear from some of you guys in different states. Are there going to be some close races? Are there some things where is the sort of balance of power? And again, talking more towards about firearms and legislation. Uh, what do you guys think is going to be coming down the pipe? Do you, does, are, do you just sort of disagree with me from the standpoint of do you think that the Senate or, or the, the House is going to put forward anything that is pro-gun at all? Uh, do you think that Trump will do anything? You know, What do you think is going to happen with the bump stock ban? Will that be uh, struck down in court? Uh, and kind of speaking of courts, you can be sort of mad at Trump for the bump stock ban, and I think you should be, rightfully so. But when we look at sort of people that he is putting on some of the lower courts and his appointments to the Supreme Court, uh, you know, again, we've talked about that a lot in previous shows. Uh, if there's a couple more vacancies or one more vacancy, if Trump is still in office and he's able to, to get someone pushed through, He would, he would almost have to, let's say if Ginsburg leaves, Trump would almost have to appoint a, a female to try and avoid uh, to try and avoid any kind of uh, you know scandal or anything like that. So but like I said, it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next uh, year or two here. See, I think I talked about that little LCP. Oh, one kind of final thing. Uh, there is a... Um, I have gotten... I've decided to use my uh, spikes lower that I have, and I'm going to use that for my um, for my pistol build on that uh, Foxtrot Mike 9mm. And I've got the, you know, I've got the brace. I think I've talked about that stuff before. So, um, 
the whole, you know, that's another thing. I wonder how long it's going to be before they, the federal government, um, and I don't know, I don't think that uh, uh, Trump would ever do anything along these lines, but I wonder how long it would maybe be before ATF or somebody maybe in the, in the Senate or in the House puts something through that says, hey, you know, let's, with all these braces, let's just go ahead and get rid of the short, let's go ahead and get rid of that barrel length actually matters. Uh, again, I don't know if that will happen. But if maybe if they're not really getting much revenue from people doing short barrel rifles anymore and people are just doing pistol builds, you know, who knows? Uh, so, anyway. All right, I think I will wrap it up. I did talk a little bit about some of the... Um, oh, you know what? Um, I saw a thing about Patreon. We were talking, and I think I was talking in the earlier segment a little bit about Patreon and YouTube and what's going to happen with that and people sort of getting deplatformed and, and having their funding taken away. So there was an article the other day uh, from the CEO of Patreon who was saying that his business, that the business thing was unsustainable. That, and, and basically the way that Patreon works from, from what they were saying in this article was that Patreon basically takes 10%. So again, if you're giving somebody a dollar, Patreon takes 10% of that, and so you only get 90%. And some people were kind of saying, well, you should just maybe go through PayPal. Um, again, you know, maybe you don't have that middleman, but then PayPal sort of becomes your middleman. So I know I had talked about maybe doing Patreon in the past. I, I just don't think I want to do that. I think what I would probably do again I've got like a PayPal donation button and stuff like that I, it doesn't really ever get used and I'm not really begging for money but if I was I was trying if I was thinking about well how could I sort of help maybe fund just the podcast and again not to make millions of dollars which I would never do but uh, I'm too small potatoes for that but it would be nice just to be able to pay for the hosting pay for the bandwidth that type of stuff um there I and I may I don't know I may start looking into some uh, some different alternatives to maybe like a different hosting service uh, something like that I don't know you know uh, I'm kind of paying a little bit probably more than I than I'd like to um, and I may look up for, for some different platforms or something like that so but again that'll That'll be further down the road. There's also some uh, stuff that I've kind of got in the works that I hope to this year sort of get up and off the ground. And if I am able to get that up and off the ground, I may be able to get sort of a sponsor for the show. That would be, uh, as long as I can get this other project off the ground, that would be, um, I think I'd be able to belay some of the costs and everything and be able to have make enough money uh, from that to be able to, to work into the show. So, oh, And it would also include uh, Armed Ape stuff as well. Oh, speaking of Armed Ape, I know a lot of you guys that listen to this show also listen over there. Not as many, but I know that there's some of you are. There are plans for Sid and I to do a, a show 
maybe this weekend and hopefully I'll maybe be able to get that out along with this so you guys may get a uh, a uh, a double a, uh, a double portion I'm sorry to be so scatterbrained but I'm at the light here and I'm driving around so I gotta kind of pay attention a little bit but anyway like I said I think I will definitely wrap it up now if you guys want to either call in or send in your own audio or an email the voicemail is 206-745-2731 the email address to send in stuff is firearmscafe at protonmail.com all one word firearmscafe at protonmail.com alright I will talk to you guys next time Black coffee, I see trouble. Man, 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 I'm not gonna get home. Black coffee, I'm so dizzy. Black coffee, please get dizzy. Oh, 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 I'll make you get home. Black coffee, I'm in trouble. I'm so dizzy. Please get dizzy. Man, 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 I'm not gonna get home. I'm in trouble. I'm so dizzy. Please get dizzy. Oh, 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 oh. Now I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna get home.